All right, guys, we're back for another mini-sode here. And uh, we finally found ourselves in a tough spot. Uh, you guys heard us last debating about Gabriel Davis and Rashad Bateman. We settled on Bateman, or sorry, Gabriel Davis. And then, of course, he goes. So uh, we did take Bateman there in the fifth. Now we find ourselves here uh, about to be on the clock in the six, although as Gretch mentions, we're technically on deck. So whatever player we land on here is uh, is certain to go right before we select. Yeah. The, the good news of Gabriel Davis type is that uh, we are not allowed to draft Gabriel Davis anymore. So uh, Twitter will not revolt at our team. That, that's good at least. Oh, is Twitter decided that we're not allowed to, that just generally no there, one's allowed to draft? There's a, there's a war in the Twitter streets over Gabriel Davis. Yeah, we decided on AJ Brown as well in the third as Pete pulled up the board and uh, and had Higgins as a backup and the same thing happened. So it just <laughs> we're gonna have a whole discussion and uh, probably lose our guy for the third time. <laughs> so the reason we've uh, you know Gretch sent a message last night. Uh, I hadn't really got caught up on the board and Gretch was like, "We're gonna be in a tough spot here." Uh, I woke up this morning and started reviewing it and I was like, "Holy shit, he's right. We're in a really weird spot here." And I think one of the big dilemmas too is just like how much we trust current ADP. And I'm kind of wrestling with, "Hey, are there values we can have here?" We, you know, we have a lot of quarterback options. How do we play that? I mean, just from a macro perspective, we don't have much main event data. We're working off of, you know, some other uh, fantasy uh, FFPC kind of ADP data. Like how much are you guys inclined to trust that informing, you know, our selections here? Not much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not a ton. I would, I mean, I guess I would sort of want to maybe also bring in what we know from doing best ball drafts and, um, you know, there's certain guys that are maybe more likely to fall from the from the small sample size that we have, and some guys that might be more likely to have someone reach for them here. Yeah, and I was saying that from, I mean, I, I guess like broadly, I give it a decent perspective. But we've already started sort of started talking about Elijah Mitchell, who's sort of, I, I think he's the next top ADP. Is that accurate, Pete? Yeah, I'm going to pull up the redraft command center uh, on Rotoviz, which I like looking at here just to kind of show best okay, available Gibson. by by ADP and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, Gibson and Eli Mitchell uh, here. You also see CEH, Mahomes, Thielen, Goddard, Thomas, Russell Gage. So you could immediately just know the three of us that these top names are not our guys. None of right. these are our guys. Right. So, I yeah, yeah I, I started dipping into, okay, Next round, we might be looking at both of like Devonta Smith and Drake London. Do we try to take one now and later? Because you obviously can't make two picks in the seventh round. That's a pretty reasonable reach, especially when these running backs are already well past ADP. And so when I was saying I don't necessarily trust ADP, what one of the things I was saying was in the context of the conversation we we're having about Elijah Mitchell, we we're talking about him being a dead zone running back, and obviously the long, you know, long known history of, of zero RB that you can make the mistake of pulling out a little early. Mitchell, I said one one thing to you guys was if we want to like kind of I know better him as a dead zone running back, one of the things that could kind of save that is if he actually ends up rising by the end of August. And I think that's actually possible. That's one of the reasons I was saying, I mean, that's a guy that maybe the market is just not really settled on yet and could get settled with some camp reports and some more information that, look, he is going to be the lead back in this really good rushing offense again. It seems possible, right? 
it's weird to me on Mitchell. I agree with you because he seems to check a lot of boxes that FFPC drafters would normally be in on. It makes sense on underdog why he's going a little later. The market loves Tyrion Davis price as well. He's gotten some buzz. So I, I get that push pull there, but man, it does seem like who doesn't want the starting young running back on the 49ers who crushed last year like how, how is that not a fourth round pick you know by the time main event season rolls around which is the immediate red flag because uh, in my research with dead zone backs the ones that hit they're almost always young but they're almost always ones that are first time breakouts so we already saw the breakout from Eli last year when the market's not buying there that puts him in a high failure bucket and you like I said just a minute ago Pete to you that like we kind of have this interesting kind of competing thing going with how much we respect the market because you were kind of talking about the ADP value a little bit. I'm saying I want to respect the wisdom of the crowds element on Mitchell where, you know, we would really, I think, be I, I know bettering because he he looks like a pretty classic dead zone back. And that is a really low hit rate bucket where I've done this before and looked back and been like, man, really should have taken another receiver. There should have got six receivers through eight on this draft and we would have been in a better spot than than breaking out of the zero RB build. It's not usually zero RB is not really when you can fix in the sixth round. You either get that anchor running back in the first three or you go zero RB. You know, I mean, that's sort of my ideological, you know, um, foundation or precedent. So it's, it's hard to leapfrog that and get back to Mitchell, but it's, it's also hard to just ignore a 20 ADP gap here. Right. And I see that as well. So it's like competing respect for the market, you know, yeah, I, th I think for me with Mitchell, I've been taking him a decent amount uh, in underdog. I guess, you know, he he tends to fall to the seventh sometimes there. I know it's <laughs> despite being half PPR, wide receivers go earlier there. So unrealistic to, fall, to see him fall this late here. Like he won't be at 705. But I don't know, in the sixth, he doesn't strike me as like a screaming value. You know, especially because we have waiver wire here. We don't necessarily need to take the running back. The guy who actually jumps out is is more of a value, in my opinion, is Mahomes. Hmm. And we're looking at a quarterback probably in the next few picks. Uh, Pete, you were laying out three V3s, and basically a quarterback was going to be one of our next three picks, regardless of who it is. To get Mahomes here where Herbert went at the 411 and Josh Allen went at the 404 to get him at the 608. That seems like a, a smash. And I know we don't have, we have stacks set up with Kyler. We have stacks set up with, with everyone Moore. else. Yeah. We have stacks set up, double stacks set up with Burrow. So that doesn't make a ton of sense, but. This feels like our draft also, with Davis the other night where we just took Mahomes <laughs> and then ended up not stacking him. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does. Although. We, you know, we've got, we've got Sky Moore later. We've got, you know, who's, who I think we all agree is a target. Um, and there's some other interesting guys later, like an MBS uh, that we might want to tack on. Cause he, someone there, the, the interesting thing about the Chiefs wide receiver core is that it's so uncertain that I think by like week four or five, you know, maybe a guy like MBS, who you think of as a spike week guy might emerge as, as someone we feel quite confident starting every week. The only, the, I think you make very good points. The only thing like with this team, I hate that it boxes us out of not only another stack guy, but 
using how many quarterback outs we have to get a really good value. To get a value. Like, yeah. We've now given ourselves uh, outs basically in every of these subsequent rounds to get a really nice value on a stack. Whereas I can see scenarios where we draft Mahomes, you know, MVS and Sky end up going a little early as all the running back heavy drafters pivot over to grabbing their wide receivers. And then we're kind of like, fuck, we have a naked Mahomes. Not that that's the sure. end of the world, but I'll bring up another point. The guy I'm kind of coming around on, Gretch mentioned him when we were talking over Discord. If we do want to reach for Devonta Smith, that now gives us a fourth quarterback out with Hertz available too, where we can all of a sudden play this Lamar Jackson, Kyler Hertz, Burrow, and basically just have options every step of the way here for the utmost flexibility. Yeah, one of the things I would say with Mahomes is I think I might rank Kyler. I have not finished my ranks, but I might rank Kyler and Lamar over him straight up. And I know obviously, basically I'm saying like, how, how confident are we that ADP is right there? Because those guys have such rushing upside. And we already have the stack started to build with them. Yeah. Because, um, I, I mean, I think the reason Mahomes has started to slip a little bit, Sean and I did a risers and fallers episode last week, and Mahomes was the biggest faller among all the early QBs. I think there's people that are talking about this, that those rushing QBs, Kyler and Lamar, you know, maybe shouldn't be two rounds behind him. And, and again, we already have the stack set up. So I like Pete's point of kind of waiting to see uh, I mentioned Drake London as well. I wasn't thinking that we have Pitts on this team. I'm not sure I want both of those guys on the same roster because I don't think that's going to be a, a great passing offense. So I don't either. I, I like I Devonta. Think, I think the quarterback play in Atlanta is going to be horrific. So we need yeah. we need we need heavy target concentration to Pitts. Right. What do you guys? I'm curious your guys' thoughts on Devonta. It, it it is such a difference going from best ball brain to managed brain, where I'm kind of thinking through these outcomes, like where Devonta Smith could be a set it and forget it option. Obviously, contingent value if AJ Brown were to get hurt. Sorry, Gretch, I don't even want no, to bring I, that thought into the world. We didn't um, get AJ Brown on this team, so we got <laughs> we got to think about it. But I'm curious, like, what do you guys see as kind of the range of outcomes for Devonta Smith this year, because it feels really wide. He had a good year, efficient checks, kind of those boxes as a second year leap candidate. Um, but you're also kind of having to hit kind of a two way parlay again, with the Eagles being more pass heavy um, and competing for targets with two really good options in AJ Brown and Goddard. So like, how do you guys think of him as a, as a selection here? I don't love him as a selection here. His ADP is at 79 or it's actually 81. He's a 79th ranked player, um, which is after our next pick. We, we had our next pick 77. At that price, I like him a lot. Um, I think he's that your point about the, the two leg parlay needing to hit. I agree with, uh, I do think he could be in kind of an interesting spot in terms of deployment. Uh, he was like a deep threat last year, which isn't really who he is. It's not really who he was at Alabama. Uh, he's a skinny little dude. Like, I think he's probably better doing some of the stuff that Rager was doing last year, like a little bit more of the underneath intermediate stuff. Uh, AJ Brown will be used in all facets, but he can also be used, you know, somewhat as a deep threat. And Quez Watkins will be the guy in three wide receiver sets. He's got blazing speed. So I, I'd be interested if his ADOT actually drops a little bit. I think that would be helpful for him. And, and AJ Brown's addition should help them do that. Um, 
And then the passing offense might be really good. You're subbing out Rager for Ada Brown. Like the, the passing offense should be really efficient. So I like him a lot in the seventh. One guy at float uh, is kind of a, you know, we're in sort of a weird spot. So this would be kind of a luxury pick. This is like a, a pivot off the Eli Mitchell discussion in a sense is Dallas Goddard is a decent value here. And if we were to go with a Goddard, it would free up a pick in, you know, let's say the 10th round, assuming we're going to go a second tight end in that range, that would then be able to go to a running back and help us with the zero running back build. So um, thinking of Goddard is kind of a, a flex option, like a like a wide receiver pick, essentially, uh, that then helps us take running backs when we need to take running backs. I don't even know how I, how strongly I feel about that, but I wanted to float it. Yeah, I was looking at tight ends too. I, I wasn't thrilled about it because I don't think we necessarily need I, – I hear your point about freeing up the 10th round pick, but I don't think we necessarily need to take a 10th round tight end. We're, we, I mean, obviously in, in tight end premium, we want to have depth there, but – it is, you know, it's uh, a managed league, and we took Pitts, and we're almost certain to, to start Pitts every week. So what do you guys think? Yeah, about it could that? be a 15th round pick. You're, right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like I mean, we, Goddard as part of it, so. Yeah, and I mean, the way we've traditionally th- thought of it, it's like, okay, we're drafting uh, Goddard to be our tight end, and Kyle Pitts is actually our flex wide receiver. Right. Sure. Um, and so then, you know, Dallas Goddard as your, your tight end one here. Um, you know, I do worry about, um, you know, again, just, it is, it is hard. Like even when we're taking stabs on these tight ends, like obviously with pits, we're just taking a big cut because we know the ceiling is just massive, but we also know still, like you were mentioning the concerns with that offense, like you could still have pretty low floors, um, with both Goddard in pits from, um, kind of like yeah. a target perspective for Goddard. And then just like a systemic risk perspective for pits to where it's like, I don't necessarily love the idea of being kind of boxed into starting two tight ends weekly, especially if we're loading up on these wide receivers. And then every week we're deciding between like Goddard or, you know, a breakout young wide receiver to start. That's yeah. That's I, that's a really good way of putting it. And that's how I was thinking about it. Like I kind of, even looking at the ADPs, I kind of prefer Devonta if we're making the bet on the Eagles, because I mean, they're going to have correlated contingent upside if AJ Brown gets hurt or something like that, but it's, another bet on a second year receiver that could be a star. Whereas Goddard's you know, individual profile doesn't have as much like, Oh, he could be just a star right now, breakout potential. And so like having Smith along with like the Bateman pick that we've already made the, you know, the possibility of both chase and Higgins, not necessarily being startable every week. There's, you know, a little bit of contingent upside with those two that we kind of missed out on where if one got hurt, like part of the, the bet for both of those guys is if the other one got hurt, they're going to be absolute stars. They're going to be first round, you know, Chase already is, but um, we taking Devonta Smith to me just gives us another player in this breakout mold where that player could become an every week starter. I, I'm, I'm kind of with Pete where I think I, I see that as a harder path for Goddard at that upside where he's like a clear guy, even though it is tight end premium. I don't know. Does that make sense? Kind of having a hard time articulating that. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think that's, that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable take that, you know, Devonta Smith, given his draft capital, second-year player could just kind of emerge more more clearly as a every week starter right. than Goddard, um, which I think is probably probably pretty reasonable. Goddard's probably going to be somewhat touchdown dependent. I don't think he's being like a super high volume role. I do think he has a chance to emerge. Like I think 
in a Devonta Smith failure season to uh, Dallas Goddard. Super interesting, but you know, yeah, Smith it's it's such fail. a we're such a weird spot. I did just pull up quickly here uh, just to kind of see Sean's rankings here, and it's funny because we clearly are in this quarterback tier. You know, his, his best available here is Mahomes. You have Murray, Herbert already went. Jackson, we of course took Bateman, Gabe Davis off the board, and then you're into like Drake London again, Jalen Hurts. So like this is the pocket of the draft where we're kind of wrestling with: Do we take the best value, the quarterback, even though we have values all along the way? Or do we kind of bump it up? And at that point, are we just negating it? Where it's like, we're going to get the quarterback value because we know we have those pockets, but then we're just pushing a wide receiver but we, up. But otherwise. we just reached everywhere else. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with the with the thing. It's like, we don't actually have a value here. You and know, I, like, so we're, we're going to reach for someone and then brag about our quarterback value later because Lamar's only a 57% chance, according to the command center, to get to the seventh. And I so I was just adding up the picks, and we're at 94 in the eighth when it comes all the way back to us. Yep. We're closer to this turn, and none of the even Burrow is 94.2 or 94.8 ADP. None of them are a lock to get back, including Hertz if we went to Vonta Smith. So right. to make sure we get one of Lamar, Kyler, Hertz, Burrow, we might have to take one in the seventh, which exactly. does, does definitely inform the sixth round. So yeah, and that kind of leads me to think of like, all right, maybe it's not Mahomes, maybe it's Lamar, but if we like, why would we push if we want Lamar? Let's say, yeah, I, I think I'm Mahomes over Lamar, but we can maybe maybe one of them will get taken. <laughs> we'll have to make this decision. But regardless, why push it to the seventh when there's all there's like a 50 50 shot that we even get the guy, and there are like disaster scenarios where Kyler gets taken. Where if someone, you know, if someone takes, because one only one of these teams has a quarterback so far. So there's disaster scenarios where like Mahomes goes the next pick, Lamar goes a pick after us, and Kyler gets taken like in the I don't think seven. that's a disaster scenario. I think we have enough outs. Cause I I mean, I know you guys probably wouldn't want to reach on Burrow, but I still think our selections of Chase and Higgins, much like how Pete always talks about in DFS, the correlated, like we have to raise Burrow's projection now we should be raising his adp in yeah. my opinion so that he's in that tier basically and i would be the fine reason, reaching on burrow in the seventh personally if if that if it went to a quarterback run behind us okay the, the reason i call it a disaster scenario is because we have transitioned from we're going to get an incredible value on a quarterback to we yeah. need to decide now if we're going to reach on quarterback in the seventh or you know pray that one that burrow falls to us in the eighth so it's kind of flipped the the script on its head in terms of what we thought this draft was with the quarterback value. So that's where I'm like, you know, but that scenario requires a value at quarterback. So that scenario requires Mahomes, Kyler, and Lamar to all go to the three teams that don't have a quarterback behind us. I think in all likelihood, well, one it, of it those would, guys comes back. Yeah, it, or or Mahomes goes with this pick here. So oh, right, yeah. One other thing to just toss out there because I do and. Um, you know, obviously we're not as focused on week 17 correlation for this, but I do, I am thinking about the playoff schedules and I will say Kyler has significantly the best schedule of all the quarterbacks we're discussing just pure schedule. I'd put it Kyler in a tier of his own, then Mahomes' schedule. And then in the bottom is, uh, the, uh, Baltimore Ravens. and Cincinnati schedule. So, I mean, with Kyler, you're home in the dome versus Denver shootout home in the dome oh, versus the bucks shootout and then at the dome in atlanta 
week 17. So like more Kyler. It's it's just like a chef's kiffs schedule there. So that's what I'm wrestling with. It's like, I feel like the, the value hound move here is to take Lamar, but man, like part of me really wants to get like Kyler in the seventh, or maybe you just take Kyler here. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling with it. I, I mean, yeah, the thing, I, I like that a lot and that makes me want Kyler more than anyone else. But the one that I'm, I'm still struggling with is I, I think when you take both chase and Higgins and you lose some of that contingent upside on them as individual picks where like the other guy could get hurt. I, I do think you're really committing to, plan a being burrow and so i'm still thinking about that but i'm okay with kyler i think i'm far more okay with it in the seventh than reaching on a different qb than our you know our double stack in the first three rounds yeah although the reach thing is go ahead sir i was just gonna say for some reason like not having burrow with chase and higgins like just doesn't bother me that much Mm -hmm. because Obviously, you're missing out on the games where the Bengals just go nuts and and you kind of hit that that you know parlay with both of those guys. But I also think there's lots of scenarios where, you know, say Mixon still has a solid rush share, and you know, we get the ping-ponging effect of Chase big game, Higgins big game, and you know, Burrow is just like solid. Whereas like we could be hitting ceiling outcomes with some of these rushing quarterbacks who are getting 30 and just kind of alternating our big chase and Higgins games and the, the weeks where we get double chase at Higgins, like we're still getting those points and how much yeah. is Burrow then separating from our rushing quarterback. It just doesn't bother me as much in managed. Also that schedule. I mean, my God, you know, if there was, and the other thing with Kyler is that in addition to that playoff schedule, you also have, you know, him with Brown where we're taking Brown to get off to a hot start. You know, so if he does have that really strong connection with Brown, then Kyler should also be helping us get off to a to a hot start. So you're getting kind of both ends so that the hot start plus the playoff schedule potentially. So Pete, I, I think you I gotta just, run, right? I do. I have a cut I have a couple minutes here. I can okay. be late. Um but yeah, I want to finish this this combo. I got sure. a couple more minutes. I just say on the reach stuff, so Kyler Murray, according to the uh command center, has eighty four percent chance to be there in the seventh, which mm-hmm. Um, you know, that let's say that's like a 92% chance or something. I don't know. It's total back of the napkin math, but that, that one of the quarterbacks that we want is there. Um, maybe it's even higher. Right. So we'll probably have someone there in the seventh. However, it is like, if we're not taking Mitchell, if we're not taking Gibson, if we're not taking Goddard, if we're not taking Thielen, who would be kind of the, what the room is giving us, then we're just reaching for someone else anyway. Yeah. So but it's like, I guess I'm, I don't know. I, I hear what you're what, saying. What the, hurts the way us I, more to not get. What The way I'm thinking through that is because we have this backstop of multiple QB options, and if we are putting it into the seventh, then our six-round pick should be the guy almost setting aside ADP, the guy that we think is the best pick, that we would rank the highest because they're not going to be there in the eighth. We know right. we're not going to get him in the seventh. There's no other... So, like, for me, I actually think about that separately where I'm actually then willing to say, if, okay, if Devonta Smith's the guy we think fits this build the best, I'm willing to jump for that because we have this pick in the seventh that we're sort of already earmarking for QB. I don't know if this is the spot to value hound, I guess, because then I think a lot of times when you're value hounding, you're like, well, maybe the other guy can make it back to us, but Devonta Smith's not going to be there in the eighth round, right? Or whoever we think is our best pick is not going to be there in the eighth round. 
I'll no, uh, no. I'll toss out one more because the other part of this conversation I think we should just kind of think through is how like where we see this wide receiver tier, like how comfortable we are. You know, I think we all like, you know, Devonta Smith, Drake London, Kadarius Tony. Those are the names that stand out to me. I'll just toss out another name here. Like if we are wanting to play the Cardinals both ways and we're okay sitting Hopkins on the bench, you could set up like a new Kyler double stack That's here as fun. well. Yeah, I'd be open to I'd be open to DeAndre. Yeah. I think I I think I'm somewhat open to that too. Because you get this thing where we know Marquise Brown is gonna be the target hog those first six weeks. Um, he's not competing. And then, you know, maybe Hopkins is dust and Marquise Brown just flies the rest of the year. We'd probably be pretty happy with that outcome. Or, you know, if Hopkins kind of returns to form, then we, you know, back into that, you know, a cheap wide receiver one down the stretch, and then both still have that contingent value if either gets hurt and both could just succeed. Like if this offense is humming, like there's no reason we couldn't, they couldn't be this year's, you know, Chase and Higgins. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, you talk about that playoff schedule. I think there's possibilities where we're starting both very comfortably. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we're not starting Bateman. Maybe we're starting two Bengals and two Cardinals in the, the main event finals. He's, <laughs> he's officially suspended for six games. There's no appeals or nothing else, right? It's just, yeah, it's official. Yeah. Okay. And again, I the I have a video, my next video that I worked on with Dubner and like, you know, these guys that can supercharge your team. And like, it's an obvious point, but it is nice with these suspension guys versus the injury guys. Like Godwin, his timeline could be all over the place. We know DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back right. week seven. Like, and I think, no and we're very confident when he comes back, he's going to play. Like they don't right. have other outside receivers. They're right. kicking AJ Green out at that point. I mean, it's, yeah. And one other just other thing too, just looking at these other teams who are going to be um, maybe considering a quarterback before we pick next, if we do let a quarterback go here, none of them have obvious stacks for these best quarterbacks. Like you look at, you know, Tyree Kill, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, Cooks, or this guy already has Herbert, McLaurin and Pittman, um, the, even the cup, A.J. Brown gave it. I guess the, the A.J. Brown guy could be a candidate for Hertz coming back in the seventh, but none of our targets there, and that doesn't mean that these guys won't take an unstacked quarterback, but I'm just saying there's no one just like obviously screaming for a quarterback here. We are... Uh... One thing I was just thinking with the Hopkins pick, which I'm definitely chewing on, is, you know, we have the 11-week or what is it, 12-week 12, 12 now, regular season. So we're missing a lot of the regular season. With half, like, yeah. we still got to get in, right? <laughs> it's, like, not particularly easy to get in yep. to the shootout. Um, and with a zero RB build, we are already putting ourselves slightly behind the eight ball from a fast start perspective. Although it's right. interesting, they have a week 13 buy, so... I was going to see if, I mean, so we would get Hopkins from week seven through the end of the regular season in terms of, you know, trying to qualify. He actually has a buy during the FFPC divisional playoffs, which isn't great, but we could try to qualify prior to that, basically. And it goes both ways because it's also, you know, the buys I don't even think for the league start until week seven this year. So it's like our teams are going to be the healthiest. We're not going to have hit the bye weeks. If there was any time we could, you know, live without nuke mm -hmm. it, it is weeks one through six yeah that's interesting that is interesting um and it sets us i mean kyler is the most likely quarterback selection for us um in the seventh to your point on hurts he goes right after kyler so you would hope 
that if dead ball is considering a quarterback, he breaks ties towards Hertz, which um, would give us cover with Mahomes, yeah. Lamar, and Hertz. If we, which I do think that guy would be, it'd be kind of silly for him unless he just like wants to snipe us for kicks. Yeah, or he like wants to spread out his risk or some <laughs> ridiculous shit. So, so I guess like, so does the Hopkins we, pick? Cut into Marquise Brown ceiling scenarios a little bit, though. I mean, I that, again, as I continue to think through this, isn't part of Marquise Brown ceiling that Hopkins might not back come back to the to the full to the I, full I, Hopkins and that down downfall we saw last year wasn't just injury related, but he's actually sort of over the hill and and Brown is the star for the whole year. I don't know if I'm just you know putting on rose colored glasses because we might have these, but like when I think about it too with like Chase and Higgins, I'm thinking okay, this offense could be just so good that it just flat out supports to top 15, top 20 wide receivers, or they ping pong massive weeks and we're happy to take the 35 burger or the 40 burgers when they come, even if it means the other guy's not doing yeah. much, or there's just this sky high contingent upside where one of them gets hurt and the other has that 35% target share. I think those are all very possible scenarios. I'm, I'm just saying there's like a, a small percent chance yeah. as well. Like in yeah, we're, we're taking some of the the real frothy upside off the table with Brown yeah. because, yeah, yeah but, he just completely takes over the offense. But um, if you think, yeah, I guess it goes back to like the, the quote-unquote like handcuff thing. Like we still have to kind of hit those outs like with a Devonta Smith uh, selection as well. Who I, I It sounds like he's our really the other main guy we'd really be considering here. It seems like we're all comfortable waiting to get this quarterback in the seventh. Yeah. I mean, I think we have so much cover. Like, if Kyler's the target, we have so much cover. Um, and I don't, you know, I think we're a little bit thinner with the guys that we feel good about outside of quarterback in the seventh, right? Devontae Smith has a 70% chance to be there in the seventh. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a 64% chance to be there in the seventh. So I don't love, I don't love grabbing a quarterback and then praying that we, you know, the two thirds chance that we get Hopkins comes through. Like it's smarter, I think, to grab Hopkins and then there's a better chance that Kyler comes through. And then like, you know, if Kyler, if, if we don't get any of these quarterbacks, we still have Burrow. So yeah, yeah. I think waiting on quarterback is, is the best move if we're looking at Hopkins. Uh, here and if someone like if if our thesis is correct um if someone does go rogue and takes kyler that still probably means one of mahomes or lamar's or lamar goes, yeah in which case we're completely i mean we would still be doing cartwheels to take an unstacked mahomes in the seventh oh man yeah yeah plus yeah he wouldn't be unstacked for long <laughs> we would get we would so, get some chiefs yeah, we um, just so have pieces I, of a lot of good offenses. I should wrap this yeah. up here, but are we, yeah. like, where are you guys at? I mean, it seems like it's Smith versus Hopkins for us, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we could still talk about Eli Mitchell, too. But, um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> this was a good conversation. But uh, I don't know that we, we nailed anything down. It's a tough pick, for sure. Yeah. Because um, Smith does it late. I mean, the funny thing about Smith is, we don't then care what uh, Deadbolt does. We're like, just give us switch. Oh, because we have every want. possible. They're like, it yeah. would almost be impossible for us not, not to get a quarterback that we want if we take Devonta Smith there. Yeah, that's that's true. Because I think, literally, what of these guys would have to double tap 
quarterback for us to, to get squeezed on Hertz, <laughs> Kyler, Mahomes, yeah. and Lamar. Yeah. Or or this pick before us would have to be Mahomes. And the right. Other three would, it, right. It, he yeah. honestly looks like a Mahomes pick, honestly, yeah. just looking at this. He team. might be a Mahomes pick. That's sure. a Mahomes pick if I've ever seen one. <laughs> I mean that's a that's an Antonio Gibson pick in my opinion. Neither of us are Antonio Gibson. Um, well, all right. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning Hopkins right now just because I think when I think through scenarios of like uh, this team rolling, you know, it's got it's it's got Nuke and, and Kyler and uh, and Marquise Brown. That feels like a way and two Bengals. You know that that feels like a team that's just crushing. And like I think the thing that you know we were kind of debating with the Gabe Davis and Bateman stuff is like, I am always like wanting to hunt for like, who could be this just top 10 wide receiver down the stretch. And like, we, we know Hopkins can be that we, we know he can for sure. And the stuff with Marquise Brown, like taking over the offense, like Marquise Brown is what, like 170 pounds. You know, I think what he's going to do for this offense is be a really effective deep threat. Kyler's really got a really good deep ball. And Cliff is not good at like designing interesting stuff. Like it was 2020 Hopkins routes were like all just little squiggles to the side and stuff. So like you, you kind of need talent to this offense. Brown, I think can be the talent that helps stretch the field. And Hopkins at this point, he could, what he could end up being is like a really high volume possession receiver this year. Once, once he comes back. You know, I think he could be like a PPR machine, uh, maybe a little bit less exciting than he was last year. Is like he was still pretty decent last yeah. year. Um, if he was more of a field stretcher and more of kind of, um, I think more of the offense being good was put on his back. So if that's if that's if that load is lightened, maybe he's able to rack up volume a little more easily. Yeah, One the pro arguments are, are are definitely yeah. clear. The the quick con is he's a thirty year old who had skill decline last year and like target earning <laughs> and, and also is suspended games. for six games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is, it is kind of fun though, to make these big concentrated bets on, yeah. you know, the Bengals and the Cardinals and just, there are lots of outs, you know, for, for uh, betting on these offenses that we know have massive ceilings. So, all right, we'll, uh, we might, maybe when we come back, we'll have a surprise for you guys. Uh, but it seems like uh, we we've honed in on it here. Appreciate yeah, you guys. I didn't have time in. to float Tony Pollard. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it looks like we're going to be kicking uh, running back down the road to at least the eighth round, uh, if not later, where the piss boys are pissing here. If you guys are listening to the audio version of this, hop, join us on the uh, on the YouTube as a YouTube member. Get access to the video versions of these, which come out quicker, as well as the Ship Chasing Discord, which is just a lovely place. So for Ben, for Pat, for me, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>